Part One of The Highest Treason. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Highest Treason by Randall Garrett. Part One The Prisoner. The two rooms were not luxurious, but McMaine hadn't expected that they would be. The walls were a flat metallic gray, unadorned and windowless. The ceilings and floors were simply continuations of the walls, except for the glow plates overhead. One room held a small cabinet for his personal possessions, a wide, reasonably soft bed, a small but adequate desk, and in one corner a cubicle that contained the necessary sanitary plumbing facilities. The other room held a couch, two big easy chairs, a low table, some bookshelves, a squat refrigerator containing food and drink for his occasional snacks, his regular meals were brought in hot from the main kitchen, and a closet that contained his clothing, the insignialist uniforms of a Carothai officer. No, thought Sebastian McMain, it was not luxurious, but neither did it look like the prison cell it was. There was comfort here, and even the illusion of privacy, although there were TV pickups in the walls, placed so that no movement in either room would go unnoticed. The switch which cut off the soft white light from the glow plates did not cut off the infrared radiation which enabled his host to watch him while he slept. Every sound was heard and recorded. But none of that bothered McMain. On the contrary, he was glad of it. He wanted the Karothai to know that he had no intention of escaping or hatching any plot against them. He had long since decided that, if things continued as they had, Earth would lose the war with Karoth, and Sebastian McMain had no desire whatever to be on the losing side of the greatest war ever fought. The problem now was to convince the Karothai that he fully intended to fight with them, to give them the full benefit of his ability as a military strategist, to do his best to win every battle for Karoth. And that was going to be the most difficult task of all. A telltale glow of red blinked rapidly over the door, and a soft chime pinged in time with it. McMain smiled inwardly, although not a trace of it showed on his broad-jawed, blocky face. To give him the illusion that he was a guest rather than a prisoner, the Carothai had installed an announcer at the door, and invariably used it. Not once had any one of them ever simply walked in on him. "'Come in,' McMain said. He was seated in one of the easy chairs in his living room, smoking a cigarette and reading a book on the history of Caroth, but he put the book down on the low table as a tall Carothai came in through the doorway. McMain allowed himself a smile of honest pleasure. To most earthmen, all the carrot skins look alike, and McMain admitted honestly to himself he hadn't yet trained himself completely to look beyond the strangeness that made the Carothai different from earthmen and see the details that made them different from each other. But this was one Carothai that McMain would never mistake for any other. Talus! He stood up and extended both hands in the Carothai fashion. The other did the same, and they clasped hands for a moment. How are your guts, he added in Karothic. They function smoothly, my sibling by choice, answered Space General Poland Tallis. 
and your own? Smoothly indeed. It's been far too long a time since we have touched. The Karothai stepped back a pace and looked the earthman up and down. You look healthy enough for a prisoner. You're treated well, then? Well enough. Sit down, my sibling, by choice. McMain waved toward the couch nearby. The general sat down and looked around the apartment. Well, well, you're getting preferential treatment, all right. This is as good as you could expect as a battleship commander. Maybe you're being trained for the job. McMain laughed, allowing the touch of sardonicism that he felt to be heard in the laughter. I might have hoped so once, Talus, but I'm afraid I have simply come out even. I have traded nothing for nothing. General Tallis reached into the pocket of his uniform jacket and took out the thin aluminum case that held the Karothai equivalent of cigarettes. He took one out, put it between his lips, and lit it with the hot point that was built into the case. McMain took an earth cigarette out of the package on the table and allowed Tallis to light it for him. The pause and the silence, McMain knew, were for a purpose. He waited. Tallis had something to say, but he was allowing the Earthman to adjust to surprise. It was one of the fine points of Karothai etiquette. A sudden silence on the part of one participant in a conversation under these particular circumstances meant that something unusual was coming up, and the other person was supposed to take the opportunity to brace himself for shock. It could mean anything. In the Karothai Space Forces, a superior informed a junior officer of the junior's forthcoming promotion by just such tactics. But the same tactics were used when informing a person of the death of a loved one. In fact, McMain was well aware that such a period of silence was de rigueur in a Karothai court, just before sentence was pronounced, as well as a preliminary to a proposal of marriage by a Karothai male to the light of his love. McMain could do nothing but wait. It would be indelicate to speak until Tallis felt that he was ready for the surprise. It was not, however, indelicate to watch Tallis's face closely. It was expected. Theoretically, one was supposed to be able to discern at least whether the news was good or bad. With Tallis, it was impossible to tell, and McMain knew it would be useless to read the man's expression. But he watched, nonetheless. In one way, Tallis's face was typically Karothai. The orange-pigmented skin and the bright grass-green eyes were common to all Karothai. The planet Karoth, like Earth, had evolved several different races of humanoid, but unlike Earth, the distinction was not one of color. McMain took a drag off his cigarette and forced himself to keep his mind off whatever it was that Tallis might be about to say. He was already prepared for a death sentence even a death sentence by torture. Now, he felt, he could not be shocked, and rather than build up the tension within himself to an unbearable degree, he thought about Tallis rather than about himself. Tallis, like the rest of the Karothai, was unbelievably humanoid. There were internal differences in the placement of organs and differences in the functions of those organs. For instance, it took two separate organs to perform the same function that the liver performed in Earthmen, and the kidneys were completely absent, that function being performed by special tissues in the lower colon, which meant that the Karothai were more efficient with water-saving than Earthmen, since the waste products were excreted as relatively dry solids through an all-purpose cloaca. 
but externally a Kurothai would need only a touch of plastic surgery and some makeup to pass as an earthman in a stage play. Close up, of course, the job would be much more difficult, as difficult as a negro trying to disguise himself as a Swede or vice versa. But Tallis was— I would have a word, Tallis said, shattering McMain's carefully neutral train of thought. It was a standard opening for breaking the pause of adjustment, but it presaged good news rather than bad. "'I await your word,' McMain said. Even after all this time, he still felt vaguely proud of his ability to handle the subtle idioms of Korothic. "'I think,' Tallis said carefully, "'that you may be offered a commission in the Korothai Space Forces.' Sebastian McMain let out his breath slowly, and only then realized that he had been holding it. "'I am grateful, my sibling, by choice,' he said. General Tallis tapped his cigarette ash into a large blue ceramic ashtray. McMain could smell the acrid smoke from the alien plant matter that burned in the Korothai cigarette, a chopped-up inner bark from a Korothai tree. McMain could no more smoke a Korothai cigarette than Tallis could smoke tobacco, but the two were remarkably similar in their effects. The surprise had been delivered. Now, as was proper, Tallis would move adroitly all around the subject until he was ready to return to it again. "'You have been with us how long, Sebastian?' he asked. Two and a third cronut.' Tallis nodded. "'Nearly a year of your time.' McMain smiled. Tallis was as proud of his knowledge of earth terminology as McMain was proud of his mastery of Korothic. Lacking three weeks, McMain said. What? Three? Oh, yes. Well, a long time, said Tallis. Damn it, McMain thought in a sudden surge of impatience. Get to the point. His face showed only calm. The Board of Strategy asked me to tell you, Tallis continued. After all, my recommendation was partially responsible for the decision. He paused for a moment, but it was merely a conversational hesitation, not a formal hiatus. It was a hard decision, Sebastian. You must realize that. We have been at war with your race for ten years now. We have taken thousands of Earthmen as prisoners, and many of them have agreed to cooperate with us. But with one single exception, these prisoners have been the moral dregs of your civilization. They have been men who had no pride of race, no pride of society, no pride of self. They have been weak, self-centered, small-minded cowards who had no thought for earth and earthmen, but only for themselves. Not, he said hurriedly, that all of them are that way, or even the majority. Most of them have the minds of warriors, although I must say, not strong warriors. That last, McMain knew, was a polite concession. The Korothai had no respect for Earthmen, and McMain could hardly blame them. For three long centuries, the people of Earth had had nothing to do but indulge themselves in the pleasures of material wealth. It was a wonder that any of them had any moral fiber left. But none of those who had any strength agreed to work with us, Tallis went on, with one exception. You. Am I weak, then? McMain asked. General Tallis shook his head in a peculiarly human-like gesture. No. No, you are not. And that is what has made us pause for three years. 
His grass-green eyes looked candidly into McMain's own. You aren't the type of person who betrays his own kind. It looks like a trap. After a whole year, the Board of Strategy still isn't sure that there is no trap. Tallis stopped, leaned forward, and ground out the stub of his cigarette in the blue ashtray. Then his eyes again sought McMain's. If it were not for what I personally know about you, the Board of Strategy would not even consider your proposition. I take it, then, that they have considered it? McMain asked with a grin. As I said, Sebastian, Tallis said, you have won your case. After almost a year of your time, your decision has been justified. McMain lost his grin. I am grateful, Tallis, he said gravely. I think you must realize that it was a difficult decision to make. His thoughts went back, across long months of time and longer light years of space, to the day when that decision had been made. End of Part 1